Great, thank you guys. SEO is quite complex, there's a lot to it, but I wanted to start with the basics. I've created a short PowerPoint just to talk through the, the four main things you should look at. So obviously we did the training on Canva um, two, three weeks ago now with, with Sarah actually. And I, after that, I've actually used it just to create some PowerPoints and I find it much faster than PowerPoint itself. So ideally, um, like it to be kind of discussion focused. So if I go through the slides and you want to just jump in with any questions or any, anything at all, just feel free to just say a few words. Again, this is really just an easy kind of beginner bit. There's, this is going to be in three parts. So in a month's time, we're going to do part two. And then in July, we're going to do part three. So if you wanted to start your SEO, uh, SEO now, then come back in a month and you can kind of build on it, ask any questions you might have. So search engine optimization or SEO is basically kind of one of the holy grails or the cornerstones of digital marketing. It's just about you being found organically on Google. And that means uh, you don't use paid ads and you're just literally in the top of the search rankings. So if you go to Google search, you might see three adverts at the top and then below those, the ones that say ads, you'll have the highest ranking listings on Google. Mm -hmm. um, again, as I mentioned, it's a three part series. If you are stuck on anything, if you don't cover anything today, then feel free to just drop me an email of any questions. Mm -hmm. um, this is going to be focusing on WordPress because as most of you probably know, I love WordPress and Elementor. Some of the principles apply for Wix, Squarespace and other builders. Uh, but generally they're quite limited in terms of their SEO strategy. They normally have like a, an inbuilt thing. I know Sarah, you've used Squarespace's inbuilt system. Um, most of this will apply, but we'll have to just, um, some bits I might have to guide you on. But I think the most important aspect is always to focus on the user. So a lot of SEO can be backend stuff that doesn't really benefit the user at all. But everything here is going to be about making it a nice, clean and fast experience for the user. Mm -hmm. um, so the first step is basic on page. So you, as you mentioned, um, you got your title, your metas and your H1 tags. Sounds a bit confusing. We'll just go through all of those and how you can apply them. Uh, image optimization, making sure that you have uh, compressed photos to your website. Um, sorry, would you mind muting? Muting. There's a bit of a background noise. One second. Thank you. Uh, and the third section is page speed. So that'd be looking at um, how fast your site is, how you can optimize it, and if you have any issues, how basically how you can um, find out what's wrong with your site and ask someone to fix it for you. And then finally, links. So if you link to external pages or external pages. The only thing we won't cover is backlinks because that's a very detailed topic and we'll do that in part two. Um, so I've got these little icons here on the left hand side. So you can on the presentation, you can follow along, see which stage we're at by looking at the icons. Um, so yeah, how you appear on search. So the whole point of this is to give you a decent present presence on, on search and to make sure that uh, you give the user the right information and that Google starts to rank you. So I don't know if you can see this listing, my, my listing for myself. So I've used myself as an example throughout the presentation. Um, so this thing, the purple section at the top is your title. Underneath where it says book a free would be the description. And then all of these breakout pages is the more you spend uh, the time on your website, the more of these you'll have. So for example, you can see I've got bite-sized marketing guides, WordPress workshop. Because I've optimized my site, Google is actually ranking each of those pages as well. So if you were doing, say, training or events, or if you had a particular um, element you wanted to promote, this is the way that that would be featured on Google. 
Obviously, at the right-hand side is Google Business, which is something else we covered uh, three weeks ago now. Um, so if any of you are not sure, I can send you the link for the Google Business description. But it's really about just making your presence on Google Search as good as it can be. So for WordPress, thankfully, you don't have to worry about HTML coding or plugins anymore. Uh, there's three, well, there's two main plugins that I recommend. Yo uh, Yoast SEOs and Rank Math, both of those are free. I don't know, have any of you used Yoast in the past? That's normally the go-to one. Have any of you uh, tried Yoast or come across it? Nope. And you can see on the right here, so they give you kind of like a widget that you can, uh, you can fill out. So on, uh, you can see you've got your general, gives you a preview of your listing and it lets you pick the keywords and it gives you like a checklist that you can follow to get all the green ticks. There's a similar thing on Wix and Squarespace where you basically have a checklist and you tick everything off. But uh, this is a bit more advanced and gives you some more functionality. Um, for, the, for this uh, presentation, we'll be using Rank Math just because it, it does give you a few extra features that Yoast doesn't. So you can see, obviously, this is, a, uh, they call it a snippet. So if you go, if you load up your WordPress site, you put Rank Math on the site, and then you go to edit SEO. This is what you'd see. And this would be the same for every single page. So all you really have to worry about is filling out the title and the description in the best way that you can. Um, so I'd normally, you've got here the word count, one second. You've got the, the word count here to show you how many words to use. And it also underneath, it will give you a score as well. So you want to get as close as you can to 100. Normally anything above 70 is good. Sorry, is that, yep. Sorry, I'm a bit lost. So when you open this page where I can see the orange and green lines, you're already into your Google account. This is on your WordPress website itself. So you would, you'd install Rank Math, and then on no. your WordPress site, you'll see this SEO um, widget pop out. Okay. And then you can okay. see up at the top here, you've got 86 out of 100, and you have like, as you can see, the checklist, and this is all on your website itself. Um, I know you're, you're on Wix, so the same rules apply, but you'd use the Wix SEO widget. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, yeah, great, perfect. Yeah? Yeah. Um, you said, because you know, obviously you've done my website, so I have a Yoast, which I've not come to grips with, but you're talking about rank math, and you had said it's intermediary, so should I stick with it? Will there be something similar to this in Yoast or? Uh, it'd be, these bits will be exactly the same. Just rank map takes you a little bit further. Okay. So everything we're covering now will be covered in Yoast as well. But it's just, if you wanted to say, um, do any more SEO or improve it, then I would suggest rank map. Okay, thank you. Um, it's a really basic question, but how do you install it onto your site? Uh, you would go to uh, the WordPress dashboard and then you would go to plugins and add new and search for the name. So you search for Yoast or you search for Rank Math. Last um, question. Yeah. Am I do this on Wix by any chance? Uh, so Wix, ha as I was saying to Claudette, Wix has its own uh, SEO uh, widget. So for that, you would go to marketing and then SEO. And then it will give you a similar kind of limited, but similar uh, questions. So you can do your title, your H1s and your description. Uh, but generally, if, if you're serious about SEO, I'd really recommend WordPress. It's, there's a lot more features available. You can do um, maybe 10, 20 times the amount you could with Wix or Squarespace. Theo, mm -hmm. 
may have mentioned this to you way back when. I have a bespoke site, so we obviously are not WordPress. So how much of this will apply or not? Uh, the same principles. So if, um, obviously we're looking at page speed. We'll be looking at um, image optimization and even the title. All of these will still apply, but you would have to code that in yourself. So you would, um, I can show you how to add in the HTML for your title and your description. Yeah, thank, I think we have all that in there. I guess it's just optimizing it for our brand, but uh, I'll carry on, thanks. Yeah, so it's just, um, the next session is gonna do more about keywords, but it's important to have a clear description and use your keywords in your title. So if you're, if you're in HTML, same rules. Um, for, I think yours is a, it's a gifts. You do uh, charitable gifts, don't you? So you would have a keyword like um, charity fundraiser or something up at the top here that's highlighted. Uh, the keyword that you choose is always going to be highlighted in the search. And then below you want a description that the important thing is to make it make sense to the user. So some people would fill it with keywords and buzzwords and stuff like that. But uh, Google now realizes that you're, you're trying too hard and it actually knocks you down for that. So it's worth having one or two good sentences that gets as close to the maximum uh, word count as possible and uses relevant keywords. Um, the permalink you won't touch. So it really is just the title and the description for each of your pages. I've actually used the word e-link. So if I, for example, I do live in e-link, I did a search on digital marketing. Mm -hmm. If I live in e-link, would it put you more to the top of my list? Uh, no, it's more um, about over time. So I'm building up like a, a, a location-based SEO. Um, so that it'll probably take three to six months for me to be picked up as a digital marketing consultant in Ealing itself. Um, if you were doing training in Ealing or Brentford, uh, it's always worth having that in under the training page, but it would take a while for it to kick in. So it, it does kind of uh, do uh, kind of insertions. It does that kind of geographic optimization. Uh, so it's take people closest to me first. Yeah, exactly. So if you're a location-based business, it's definitely worth including a location if you can. Um, and then obviously, if, uh, if you click to the right, you've got your desktop and your mobile view, and you can actually edit the title and the description for, mo for uh, mobiles. Uh, you can make it a bit snappier. You can have like a mobile-only uh, comment or, and you can see here that the e-links cut off, so it might be worth shortening it just to make it fit inside that box. Uh, but it's just a case of clicking on this mobile icon and then just updating it slightly. And then pretty much well, every week I get asked how you can um, have like a decent preview on social media. So if you're sharing a link on Facebook, if you, if you wanna promote your website on Instagram, anything like that, this is how you would create like a, a personalized uh, preview on, on social media. So you pick an image, you create a new title and a new description, or you can use the one that you've got. And you can also have like a, a play button as well. So if I put this on Facebook, I could actually um, have like a YouTube play button sitting in front of it that people would click on to get to my site. If you don't do anything, it will just copy what you've got on your, uh, the, the original ones. So it's up to you if you wanted to change it and add in something for social. And I'm guessing everyone's obviously used Word and you know in Word you've got your headings and your paragraphs. Yeah. Um, so the same 
same basic rules apply. As you work down a page in WordPress or in any website, you'd have your H1, your H2, your H3, and then your, your paragraph. And your H1 um, is similar, basically, your H1 is the title for the page that people see when they're on the page. And your title is what people see on Google. So they, should, they don't have to match exactly, but they should say the same thing. Each page should have a unique title and a unique H1. So you can see in WordPress here, you go on the left-hand panel, where I click on the heading or the box that you're working on, and you can select the HTML tag. So this is the, the new quick and easy way of doing it rather than actually coding it yourself. You simply click the drop-down and select H1. Um, it's really, really important to only have one H1 per page. If you have more than one, you can get marked down or Google may not rank that page as well as it could. And then, so that's everything on your titles, your metas and your descriptions. Have you got any questions just about how to set those up? No, my question would be, I know we're looking at WordPress for the moment. Mm. Would the settings be very similar in Wix? Uh, the Wix settings, as I've mentioned, they're more limited. Uh, you do, I actually did Claudette's um, Wix SEO a couple of years ago. And they have um, a basic checklist. And then on each page, you can select the H1. Um, but it's, you don't get as many options as you do with WordPress. So the, everything I've shown you is possible. But you just don't get the same flexibility. Okay. I was just more concerned with like the, um, the, sorry, what was I going to say? The, the description. I don't know what, because I know you're showing us what can be done on WordPress, mm -hmm. but like the description and the title. Yeah, no, the description and the title are both there for every page on Wix as well. So if you want, I can have a call um, later with you and I can show you how to update that on, on Wix. Or if Thank people... you, that'd be great. Or if, if there's enough people who want Wix and Squarespace, we can do a quick follow-up afterwards just to show the difference with Wix with uh, those website builders. Just wanted to quickly jump in because I use Wix as well. And um, when you go on to the SEO part, uh, it gives you descriptions and the you know windows for you to fill in, etc. So it's very it's guiding you step by step and it gives you explanations. So it's, um, yeah, uh, once you go into the menu, you'll be able to find probably similar uh, format or setup. Uh, exactly. So the, the first one with the, all the green ticks, you get a similar, yeah, similar yeah. kind of widget to that one uh, yeah. on Wix. Um, but the, the main thing with Wix and Squarespace is you're limited to what they have. Whereas with WordPress, you can install any plugin you can, have um, a more advanced plugin that gives you features like snippets. So if, if you ever look at an event on Google, sometimes you'll see the uh, event date and a booking link on, on Google itself underneath the web, web link. And mm -hmm. that's something that's created um, something called a rich snippet, which wouldn't be available on Wix or Squarespace. Mm -hmm. It just depends on how, how involved you'd like to get with it. Yeah, Theo, actually, it would be great if you could refer to Wix as well while you're explaining, because I'm, I probably won't change at least very soon. Uh, and it would be good to have some reference points for Wix as well. If there are people using it too, it would be nice to kind of have a reference point about those. Yeah, I think um, in that case, I might do a quick a half an hour follow up maybe next week, just looking predominantly at Wix. Um, but everything from here on in will apply to both. So okay. um, the ones from now won't affect whether it's Wix or Squarespace. 
Um, but yeah, maybe Wednesday, Thursday next week, we can book something in. All right. Thank you. Great. So now we're looking at image size and um, I'm, I'm actually really bad at this. Every time I upload an image, it's important to compress it and make it as small and light as possible. Um, but that does take a couple of extra, maybe an extra 30 seconds, but it makes a big difference in terms of your page speed and also your SEO. So if you go and take some, say, uh, shots of your venue using a DSLR camera, the image might be four megabytes or five megabytes. If you put that on your site, an entire page is normally about half a megabyte. So it's, it's crucial to, to compress those to a reasonable level. Um, the, either you can do that using something like Photoshop or Canva, or I personally like a website called bulkresizeimages.com. So with that, you can just drag and drop your photos in, select the width you would like it to be, and then it will do all the work for you. And it compresses them down as small as, small as possible. So, What's for example, kind of, uh, hmm? lowest percentage compression before you lose the quality of the uh, image. Well, the the important thing is you want it to be just as wide as it needs to be. So, a normal website page is twelve hundred pixels. So, on bulk resize, you would select width twelve hundred, and then that will make sure that it's not pixelated. You get the absolutely the same quality, but it's only as big as it needs to be. If you imagine, like, say, a HD TV and a four K TV, it scales out. Uh, say four times and it's the same with an image when you use like a DSLR or a high quality camera um, and especially if you're doing say a logo for like my logo originally was nearly a megabyte in size and it only needs to be 400 pixels so I was wasting 90-95% of the size which is wasted because no one will ever see see the difference as you can see here like a normal image for a website is about 50 kilobytes a normal DSLR image is four megabytes, so it's 80 times smaller, which is, uh, makes a huge difference in terms of load time and how Google sees your site. Um, I can send this to you, but if everyone just makes a note of bulk resize, bulk resize images.com, and again, it's just a case of picking the width. Uh, the next one is the file name. I actually, until a couple of weeks ago, I didn't realize the file name was so important but that actually play, plays a part on your SEO. So when you're uploading images, rather than having image one, image two, headshot, whatever it is, if you give it the same file name as the alt text or like um, something that describes what the image is, that would help Google to then list your images and also to rank you. So you might see on Google search, you, you, uh, if you type in a company, underneath it will show you images associated with that company. And the best way to get on there is to then give each of them a relevant file name. Um, if you haven't done it before you upload the image, you can go into media edit and then you can update the name here. And there's a very similar option in Wix and Squarespace as well. And basically same idea, but alt text, all alt text means is um, if there's no image displayed, what would show on the page? If you do like a, um, a non-image version of the website, it will say the name of the image instead. So for example, I've labeled this one as bite-sized marketing guides. So if someone couldn't load the images, if their phone didn't allow them or they're on a VPN, it would still tell them what the image is and it will still tell Google what it is as well. Am I right in thinking that for people who are sight impaired, mm -hmm. that they have software that will read out alt text? Exactly. And it, 
Um, accessibility is a huge thing. I'm, I'm going to touch on that in part two, but making um, your website um, relevant for visually impaired and hearing impaired is crucial. And also looking at things like colors, all of those accessibility aspects. Um, but we'll do that uh, next month. Um, I, sorry. Can I ask a question there? Yep. Um, I'm uh, curious about the file name. So, um, what does make more sense? Um, should I um, use more what I do or my field uh, name of my website or um, the file name should be unique to the events or blogs I'm creating? So is it better to use more of the same or just spread it out and be, make it more specific? Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. And the file name, the file name should always represent what the image is. So if you have um, a page, say an events page, each image should be labeled uh, saying if it's a um, group photo of our, our trainers or whatever it is, it should, be, it should highlight exactly what the image is, not what the page is about. Okay. Okay. Theo, um, just based on that, we spoke earlier today about the photo shoots. Now, mm -hmm. if I was to upload my photo onto About Us, because I'll be talking about the founder, that be me. So what kind of um, label can I give that? <clears throat> so if it's your, your headshot, I would, for me, I would say Thea Ruby hyphen digital marketing consultant. For you, it would be Mary Lee uh, virtual office executive or something like that. So it would have your job title and your name attached to it. So that way, if uh, Google will see who you are, your face, your name and your job title, and it will start to build up a picture of, of who you are. So Theo, what I've been doing is with my images, I've just been um, slapping on my keywords as the file name. Is Google going to catch on and penalise me for that? Um, to be honest, you can use keywords, but there's something called keyword stuffing. So if you add too many keywords, Google picks up on it and they actually um, push you down the rankings. So if every, if every photo or if half the photos on your site say therapist or um, a similar keyword, they will definitely mark you down. So it should be relevant to the actual, the photo and what it offers the user. So obviously this one's marketing guides. So obviously it has to, it has to say marketing guides in the file name and the alt text. It's, it's more, just imagine you're um, sharing a photo of a friend and you want to tell them the name of that. It's always about what the user will see at the end of it. Is that helpful or did that answer the question? Yeah, no, it did. Thank you. Um, and then, so anything else around image optimization or how to do your file name, your alt text, or your compression? Perfect. And then the third part of it is looking at page speed. Um, to be honest, if you look at any of the, the big kind of SEO experts, Neil Patel, um, all of the HubSpot, all of um, Search Engine Land, Moz, everyone else, they always feature page speed as like one of the main priorities. And personally, for the past three years, I've been struggling to increase my page speed. If you, especially if you're using things like Google Analytics, tracking, any kind of lead funnels, if you add anything to your site, it's gonna slow it down. And it's important, um, for example, if you use your mobile, you go to a website, and if it doesn't load after two seconds, most people are just gonna turn it off and go to something else. So it really is like, should be one of your number one priority to make your site light and fast. Um, 
again, mobile is always going to be slower than desktop and they'll give it kind of like a an average rating. So the numbers I'm going to show you is based on a 3G network, um, kind of like a, a medium 3G connection. So we'll be looking at 4G or 5G. And as you can see, Google uh, prioritizes faster sites. If you can get your site under two seconds, then it will boost your rankings as well, because that's kind of a benchmark that they set. Um, but the, so page speed can be quite complex, but there's two things you can do to help yourself. You've got Google Page Speed Insights. Um, you can just type into your browser, Google Page Speed, and it'll bring up this, uh, this box. Type in your web domain, it'll give you a, a percentile rating. So that's not, uh, I'm not 100% of being fast enough. That's have all the websites in the world on Google. I'm the 95th percentile now. Whereas six months ago, I was in the 50th percentile. So it makes, you can see here, like if you're orange or red, then you're less likely to get ranked. If you get up to 90% percentile, then Google will prioritize your site over others. It just, it just gives, the, it gives a better user experience. It makes it um, easier for people in other countries and with weak connections to use your site. And especially like, like now during lockdown, when the Wi-Fi is not very strong, it means people are actually able to, to access your site rather than bouncing off of it. Uh, you can, and you can see here, there's some basic information at the bottom. So you've got speed index of one second, time to interact 1.4 seconds. You don't have to, all you have to know is your score out of 100. And then if you scroll down, it will give you some more information you can give to a developer or you can Google to find out how to fix it. Um, again, I can do more detail on page speed, but it is, the most important thing is just to, to know your score and to be aware of how fast or slow your site is at this point. Um, if you do want to improve it, there's something called GT metrics. So if you Googled GT metrics, it will give you more, more information. And then you can click on any of these arrows and you can say to someone, okay, I, uh, my images are too big or I'm getting redirects, all this technical stuff. You can pass to someone else and they can fix it for you if you're not comfortable. Uh, but the important thing is your fully loaded time, your page size, and your number of requests. Um, because I, I use um, HubSpot, Analytics, MailerLite, uh, Google Reviews widgets. So I have a lot of um, integrations on my site. So it's, and I think most of you would as well. So it's important to just try and keep it running as fast as possible. And you can see here where it's at the bottom, it says serve scaled images. And all that means is that you're using images, as we said, that are relevant for the website. You're not using ones that are too large. Um, someone's in the waiting room, one second. Does, does that kind of make sense? So you could start with page insights, get a basic number. If you do want to fix it, have a look at GT metrics and then just copy and paste the details uh, for someone to look into. Sorry, how do you, how do you get to the page insights? Uh, you just Google uh, Google Page Speed Insights, and it brings up this tab. And then you've got a mobile and a desktop option. My mobile is around 50, so I'm the 50th percentile, which is it's average. It's not amazing, but it's it's good enough. Um, again, as I said, mo mobile is always going to be more of a struggle to get up to 100. So, and you can see at the bottom, there's it shows you how quickly your site loads. So this is in a tenth of a second. So you can see how uh, the elements of your site actually load as the user's opening it up on their phone. 
Oh, uh, one thing to be aware of is that if you, um, if you keep opening your site on your own computer, your computer stores a cache of it. And so it'll always look fast to you. But it may not look fast to someone else. Theo, yeah. um, my developer, we're very well aware of uh, uh, page speed issues. Um, we have a lot of images. We have mm -hmm. selection of invitations. And he was working on something for a while called CDN, and it's supposed to compress our own site. But um, unfortunately, every time we've tried, um, it had other implications to other features. So plan B, and I'm wondering if plan B is even a better idea at the end, is to... Oh. Sorry about that. Take all our images and really, you know, compress them individually. What is your instinct? To be honest, your images should be your first priority. Um, so you'd always want to compress them before they're uploaded. Or if, if you have a lot of images on your site, I'll take them all off as an extract file, compress them and re-upload them. And then uh, <clears throat> for CDN, so basically a CDN a little bit more complex, but it just means that they keep a copy of your site in a local area. So if you're based in London, there is a, a, a copy of a site in London. So anyone within that region can access it quicker. Uh, you can use something, uh, Cloudflare is a good example. It's free to set up. It'll take about half an hour to do. And it just, it means that people don't have to load the site every time from scratch. They get like a, a save version they can access. Um, yeah, that yeah. might speed it up for the people who, um, who, who, who do that, but will that improve your Google rankings? It will, yeah, because uh, with CDN would to a point because in the local area, so for a local business, but it won't increase your total page speed, which would uh, work um, for the entire world. So it would still benefit it, but not as much as actually going in and rescaling all the images and optimizing it. Um, your CDN can come from either cloudflare.com or you can do it via your host. So I often managed hosting and part of that you get your CDN and your backups. Um, and it's just a nice way to, so any local, any local company that accesses my site should get it within less than a second now. Whereas I know, sorry, Albert's just joined the call and he knows a year ago I was struggling massively with it and he was actually helping me and we were working together to try and speed up my site then. So it's more of a, an ongoing process, something you should look at maybe every three months, just keep a check on it. But Theo, is it mainly images then that slow it down? Is there other things that there's, are worth doing? There's many, many things. So you, if you can see this, it says um, deferred passing JavaScript, browser caching, images. It's mostly your coding and uh, the widgets on your site. So for example, I use Elementor, which is a, a visual builder and that adds weight, weight and slows down my site. So you have to um, counteract all of these uh, widgets and tracking links that you add to your site. Um, so it's, images is probably about 30% of everything you would do to speed up your site. Right, because I've literally just very quickly put mine through and I've got a score of 14, <laughs> is that which is not good. Is that, sorry, is that a mobile or desktop? Because it will say at the top left if it's mobile or desktop. Mine is 18. I'm higher. <laughs> it's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I just checked it. It's very sad. 
Um, there are, I mean, there's some basic page, we could do another quick um, zoom on page speed because there's some st basic steps you can take. Uh, your host is a very important factor. If you use a decent host who uses a fast server, um, the images, again, uh, I can't uh, comment how important that is. And also the, the builder and the way that you've created the site. For example, uh, some developers are lazy and they'll copy in lots of old code and then that adds weight and it slows down your site. So it's important to go through to something called minify the code. Again, um, don't worry too much about what this means, but just be aware that here you've got a list of everything you can do to improve it. If you do your, um, your score, if you have any questions, just drop me an email with a screenshot and I can probably say, here's the top three, four things that you can do. Um, if you're using WordPress, there are plugins that can help you. Um, there's one, if, if any of you are using WordPress, there's one that I love called WP Supercache. So it's S-U-P-E-R space C-A-C-H-E. Uh, it's something I've loaded on Genie's site and Steve's as well. And that will basically um, compress some of your site and create a cache so it loads uh, about 20, 30% faster. So the fourth and final aspect is internal and external links. Um, I'm sure, well, everyone's probably heard of backlinks. So you, everyone wants to get links from other people to their site, <clears throat> but it's also important to link internally on your site. Um, so if, as examples, if you've got a basic showcase site, you might do your home to your contact page, your home to your about, your services to your contacts. And what that does is it improves your customer journey. So someone goes to learn about your company and then they want to find out more. You're enabling them to transfer through the pages and learn more about you. Um, also, Google will rank you higher if you have a good um, internal linking score. So it's worth just going through your pages, seeing which of them can match up and just hyperlinking certain words, certain buttons, just to, uh, to create a better user experience. How do we know about our linking score? Uh, it's just based on, I, I use um, a paid SEO report. It's based on the number of links compared to the, the text and also the um, number of pages on your site. So uh, for you, Mary Lee, you might want to, again, link from your home to your about your book. Your call to action would be your booking page. So you'd want to make sure that all of your sites link appropriately to your booking page. Um, and I don't know. Any that's, of you that's pretty much done, yeah. Uh, so, and yeah, so just have, have a little walk through. It's worth sometimes getting someone else to, to load up your site and for them to click through as well. Because for example, you might, you might have linked something, but it might not be visible, it might not be prominent. So it's always worth um, having nice big buttons. As you hover over them, they'll change color and just give people like prompts so they know that they can move across the site. Um, are any of you uh, writing blog? Obviously, uh, Julie, you're a content writer, so I might have to come back to you for some content. Um, but is anyone writing blogs or content at the moment? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah I do. Um, it's something I'm really bad. I only started it three months ago with these marketing guides. And I can't stress enough that it's really, really important for your SEO to write blogs, sorry, on like a, maybe a monthly basis or at least every, um, every two to three months as a minimum. Uh, but when you write them, it's important for you to link between blogs and from your blog to the rest of your site. So if you reference uh, an older article, uh, it's worth going back and then just updating the links, making sure that all of them are connected in appropriate way. Yeah, do you mean um, 
mentioning or adding in your own article or actually posting um, another article in your blog so uh, so I mean so if, if I if I created this blog um, this is gonna be a blog on my website this whole video these highlights and then if I create one about page speed or say Wix once I've done that I'll go back in and I'll add links between both of them so from the Wix one it would reference the WordPress and then from WordPress it would reference all the other articles and pages on my site and actually, uh, one other thing on blogs, um, sounds a bit long, but if you can go in and update them, that is the best way to get them ranked on Google. So Google will always prioritize um, recently updated blogs, even if you wrote it five years ago. If you go in and add a little bit more information or add in a comment or some kind of feedback about it, it will push it up, it will make Google aware of it and it will help you to be ranked on Google. Can I ask a question on blogs? Yep. Um, on Wix, it asks um, to, uh, to it asks me to add um, hashtags, quite mm -hmm. a lot of hashtags. So I'm wondering how they're linked with Google or you know um, SEO, etc. If it's at all a benefit to do it or not. I've never. I mean, again, I focus on WordPress. I'd have to look into that. Um, could in you general, like, you know, when you add hashtags to blog, no. because I don't know what they, where they go to, what they link to. On LinkedIn, I know where it goes when I put it in LinkedIn, but when I put it on a website in a blog, I don't know what system picks up those hashtags. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's a tag, not a hashtag. So a hashtag yeah. would be like a Twitter tag, like hashtag yeah. development, yeah. whatever. Uh, a yeah. tag is something slightly different. Yeah, I know. When you're, yeah. when you're writing a blog, you'll have your category and your tag. So, for mm -hmm. example, the category is the, the sector or the kind of the area that you're discussing, and the mm -hmm. tag would be the certain search terms. So, for example, for this one, my tags would be page speed, SEO, optimization, WordPress, etc. And you mm -hmm. can have as many tags as you like. Mm -hmm. And they, they're more to help the user. Um, they do also benefit your SEO, but it's for you to build up like a directory. So in a year or two's time, people can search via tags. So they could search on my site, everything about WordPress, click on the WordPress tag, and all of the articles will pop up in one list. Okay. Um, I, as I believe there's no direct link for Google. Uh, again, Google's a bit uh, secretive about what they, rank, what they use for their ranking algorithms, mm -hmm. but it does benefit the user experience, which is the, the main priority. Thank you. Google's um, algorithms change every six months, but the users and how they use and uh, feel about your site is something that will stay with you forever. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, but yeah, and if, if you're stuck looking for content for blogs, um, message me. I can give you some examples for your sector of how to look at what's, what's going on in the industry and then start write, uh, writing yourself. It's generally good to get... Um, something that will help the user so maybe some top tips or a short article like a self-help article it, it kind of depends on the industry that you're in and um, final thing is maybe think about videos and audio as well so uh, each of my um, power hours I include a video a, a Spotify podcast and the written text and Google notices that there's more than just text on the page and it ranks you higher because of that so if you can, if you can include a short training video or a short video, it would be beneficial. Uh, so just quick one you can see here. 
um, internal links. So using Elementor, you go in and you would um, hyperlink the words. Um, it actually gives you the most recent, recently linked pages and you can see by date when they were linked. So if you are going back and updating articles, it just makes it a little bit easier for you. And, and when you're doing it, always try and add in a call to action. So even if it's a, a blog, um, say for Steve, it might be an Excel training blog. It'd always be worth adding in uh, contact me for more information or something that the user can actually act on to get in touch with you. And then external links. Um, I don't know, are any of you part of say um, government bodies or associations? Do you, have it, do you have any kind of partners or associations? Um, professional bodies, that would count. Yeah, so I think- um, Working local authorities. So. Yeah, so these are the kind of things that, um, that are very important for you to link to. Um, the one thing I've highlighted on the right hand side is always click open link in a new tab. You'll have a similar option in Wix and Squarespace as well as WordPress. But what this means is when the, when the user clicks on it, they don't lose your web page. Um, a lot of people, when they're creating quick websites, they won't do that and off they lose traffic. The, the, you'll see on Google Analytics that the user just completely leaves your site and never comes back because they'll go to the other resource and they'll get lost. Um, so when you edit a link, there should always be a tick box here and um, yeah, just keep an eye on it and maybe go back and check the links you've already got. Um, <clears throat> some examples of uh, external links, so maybe training material. So I, I know very little about SEO, but I could then link out to HubSpot or Search Engine Land to give people more information. So like to learn more, check out X. Um, if you're keeping up with current affairs, you could link to news articles. Um, obviously, if you're working with partners, like I, I link to Jeannie's website, so she'll do a lot of my social media. So I'll kind of reference that and make sure that I link to, to appropriate partner websites. And then also to signpost people. So even if, um, if you have not, maybe not a competitor, but uh, if there's something you think is relevant to your audience, um, it's always worth trying to link to that, especially if it's a .gov or a .edu web, website. Um, basically, Google favors .govs and .edus over .coms. It just, it sees them as being more trusted and more reputable. And so you can see here, just on one of the guides, um, you've got, I just linked to Loom, Zoom, Canva, Trello, and IFTT. I should really have spaced them out. I mean, that is a little bit lazy on my part to put them all on, on one line, but that would be the way that you'd hyperlink um, tools and kind of materials on your website. So that's basically, that's quite a uh, quick introduction to, to SEO. Um, we're, next time we're gonna look at backlinks. So that's how you can get people to link to your site, which is one of the keywords and backlinks are slightly more advanced, take a little bit more time, but they also offer you greater SEO weight. Um, so that we'll do, maybe probably Friday the 5th of June, we'll be looking at backlinks and keywords. You referred a lot to Google. How much of this is in common to other search engines? Um, they will all apply, but I mean, the majority of web developers would focus on Google. Um, say for Bing and for other, other search engines, the same rules would apply. Um, but I think 78% of people do use Google. Um, but if you optimize your site for Google, 
that would also optimize it for Bing as well. And Firefox. I know quite a bunch of tech organizations still use Firefox. Uh, Firefox is a browser, I believe, not a search engine. So that would be di uh, different. It's a different part of the internet. So a browser is how you access a page, but a search engine is like the directory behind it. Right. Um, so yeah, Firefox, Internet Explorer, all of those are browsers. One thing I actually have found, uh, that's why I had a bit problem before, is uh, sometimes when you go to a website and you open uh, something or, or something on Facebook, it, it defaults opening Firefox rather than Google, which is a bit annoying. Mm. I mean, you can go, if you go, um, quick computer thing, if you go to start default apps, you can then select Google as your predominant one. Um, because a lot, of, a lot of times Internet Explorer would feature and you just, it's always worth having Google if you can. Does anyone have any questions about what we covered or anything else I can, we can help with in terms of basic SEO? Um, Theo, the, just the, the external links. Um, I know obviously in, in blogs we do it, but it, it would, an easy way to do that would be like a page of useful links or something like the good old fashioned useful links page or something like that. Uh, as long as you don't stuff it. So you'd want to uh, maybe have a link, have like a description and give more information than just listing all the links themselves. Mm. Um, again, if you say if you had 50 pages on your site and one of them had a hundred links, Google might not, it might not rank you high enough because it will see that you're just stuffing them all on that page. The one uh, good other quick tip about SEO is your FAQ page. So if you can, everyone should try and have an FAQ page to break down like um, what you offer, how people can work with you, any questions about your industry. And that's a really nice, easy way to boost your SEO. And in there, you can add in those external links. Albert, I know you do, um, obviously you're quite tech, probably more techy than I am. Do you have anything to add? Um, it depends. How far did you go? What, what did you do at the beginning? So we were looking at basic SEO. So you got your title, your description, your H1 tags. Right. Okay. Then we, yeah. And then we looked at uh, page speed, image optimization, and then your links. Okay. Did you, did you, what about Google My Business as well? Did you add that in as well? Um, I've already done that in a previous session. Okay. I'm going to include that in the follow-up, either part two or part three, just how they can talk to each other. Um, what about just quickly on the seo part did mm -hmm. you go into let me just pull it up um jason the, the schema uh, the schema's a bit more advanced i didn't again i have a habit of like talking too much and going into too much detail so uh, okay. email would be something for part three so i mentioned rich snippets uh, about how people can list their events. Um, yeah. but I've just found a really good Schema Pro plugin, which I'll talk about in part three. Right, okay. Well, you've got it built into Yoast. Uh, it's not as good as the Astra one. I mean, it, it works in the same way, but the Astra one is just a bit cleaner and nicer to use. So right. if you're doing like event listings or if you've got uh, books or training, it's always worth having the, the, the Schema set up. So does anybody here have a shopping cart then? On their website? Yes, I do. Yeah. Mine so, doesn't involve e-commerce. Sorry, e-commerce. No, I don't I don't need a shopping cart, do I? No, I'm just saying if anybody here has a an e-commerce website using WordPress. 
No, uh, mine yeah. has book now. I have a book now where people can go and book and pay for, but it takes them to a calendar. It will take them to a calendar where they can actually book. So uh, would I need a shopping cart for that? No, what it, is, is, what it is is that if you've got a shopping cart website, then Google, when you type into Google, sometimes you see at the top of the page, you see shopping mm. where you've got products there that you can actually buy and it goes directly to your website from Google search engine. And that's part of the schema as well, where you can use Google business, tag your products, and then use a schema to get in the listing. So if you've got a service, then that helps as well, because mm. you can set that up so that Google, when he searches your website, it'll add it to its top of the search engine when it's for, for shopping. Yeah, I'm just, a lot. yeah, that is, I've been doing that now. So I have like the web design, the hosting, I've broken them out. And I actually noticed when I, when I've checked it on Google, it's actually breaking out those services. So Mary Lee, you might want to do say like free consultation and put a free associated to it and then break down all of your, your pricing and your services on there. Um, I'm wondering, do you know if that would work with Wix and Squarespace? If you can get your rich snippets with them. I built my, my site on Wix. So I know we've been covering WordPress and, and and we've been looking briefly at what Wix and Squarespace might do, but mine was built on Wix. Do we have that capability on Wix? Uh, that was the question I was asking Albert because I wasn't too sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, for my cut, I've not had a Wix customer. Okay. <laughs> I have Wix people, but they always move over to WordPress. Actually, sorry, Claudette, um, who I believe has just left us, she's the only person I work with that stayed with Wix. But I think for a, a therapist, it, that can it can be enough really. Mm. I know, uh, Sarah, you're on Squarespace as well. And for what you want, that covers everything. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with Squarespace generally. But then when I hear all this other stuff, it makes me question my choices. Well, it depends how many pages that you have on your website. That does. But Squarespace is quite good. Mm -hmm. I rank them as the highest one better than using the Wix because Wix tend to, it's trying to find the, the best part of the SEO for using on Wix. That's the only thing I find. Mm. Um, that's the feedback I've had from other people. Mm. I mean, Wix as well, they, I think they store their data in um, somewhere else in Europe and also they own all the data you put on your site. Oh, do they? Um, I, I read an article about it recently from HubSpot. So if you, I mean, they're not going to use your images, but technically you, when you use the Wix platform, you don't, especially on the free package, you don't own the content anymore because you're no, part of the, I'm on the premium now. Pardon? I'm on the premium now. Oh, on the premium, you should be okay. It's just when you're using the basic, I think that's one of the clauses. Mm. That's, that's yeah, really that, that, yeah. You, you can't even have your own domain, your wix.com slash yourself. Yeah. But I'm on the premium now, I've paid for it now, so everything belongs to me. Perfect. I mean, I, I might Google that for you afterwards just to make sure, but I think I'm hoping you should be right. Mm. Um, just quickly, as Albert touched on, Google My Business is a really amazing free tool. I know some of you were there two weeks ago, um, but if you can get on there and start listing yourself, that will help your SEO. Okay. And also look at directories, so you can register your, your business on local directories, um, bark.com, other places, and they will help to build up your online profile. So it's always worth, if you just Google your company name, minus.com, you'll see uh, how how your search comes up so then if you scroll down you've got your own website your Google business on the right hand side uh, and then you've got bark and yeah, bark, bark always comes up it always comes up second or third underneath your domain so it's really good 
and they they pull all your reviews they pull all of your content online into one place because they, they basically want to help themselves yeah um and so your all your images your reviews your services you've listed in all different directories it's like um their own personal google basically mm. and you can see on the right here you've got the products as albert mentioned this is what when you add a product it will list you here with your prices and then mm -hmm. if you go down you can also add categories so you can offer um show the different sectors that you offer mm -hmm. and then again you've got barks come up again um but yeah if you can if you can put up with the emails from bark or if you can block the emails it's really really it just gives you a nice little boost especially when you're starting out mm -hmm. does uh, does bitvine do the same not as well i've tried bit i got a couple of jobs off bitvine recently um but they don't do as much in terms of seo yeah okay yeah, I've got I mean, I hate both, but yeah, <laughs> if it's good for SEO, then I might go back with a new strategy. So let's see. Did somebody say they've got Bidvine? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, similar. Yeah. Okay, so um, I've got Bidvine as well, and I found that Barker's the been the best so far Definitely. for SEO. Yeah, but with Bidvine, but I think you get like forty or sixty pounds of free credit with Bidvine. And um, it's worth just trying that just to see if you can actually get any leads from it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're starting out, it's a nice way just to, to get in touch with a few people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyone have any other questions about just general basic SEO? I know we'll, we'll cover backlinks, keywords and schema in the latest part of the series. Yeah, it all depends on the size of your, the, how big or how many pages you, you have as a website, really, I would look at as well, Theo. Because mm. if you've only got a three-page website, you might not need to use a, a big program like WordPress. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not Weebly, I think you'll be okay. But yeah, I, I mean, if you just <laughs> go for a straightforward HTML. Yeah. Albert, remember, I was saying, I don't know if you are on the call at that point, but this time last year, me, you and Cam were struggling to get my page speed up. And I finally got it to 95 out of 100. It took oh, me did you? a year of solid work. On, is that on your, um, your, word, your Theo Ruby? Yeah, yeah. It used to be on like 50 or something. It's, I mean, it just shows if you put the effort in, it really is worth it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ruby, my, mentioned this a couple of people. I'm sorry, my daughter had to dust her room before she gets her phone by the end of the day. So <laughs> I'm moving around because she's dusting her room. Um, so bear with me with the moving around. Um, my, my biggest challenges were startup and we have like a unique selling proposition. Well, at least I think when we're multiple things and we're not sure which one's going to gravitate people for platform if they were to Google something on, um, on Google, because um, we're an invitation platform, which is a very crowded space. So I would never fall, you know, rate below the paperless posts and punch bowls and all those platforms and the e-bikes out there. Hmm. And then we're also a group gift collection service. And we're also a charity fundraising service. And we do all that together. Hmm. Um, and so, and my developer co-founder, you know, has set it up and we're just debating which ones should be our descriptions and tags. and. It's almost like right now we just don't know which one's going to attract people to our site, and and it's almost like a wait and see, or do we just lead with one because it's hard to put all that in a description and tag. So that's kind of our dilemma right now. And I'm wondering, is it you know getting a marketing consultant, or um, really our best position right now is to create market awareness through advertising, 
or do we just hope someone in the UK Googles online invitations and then comes across our concept and realizes that you can also fundraise for a gift and give half to a charity if you want. And I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to figure that one out so we could clean up our Google SEO optimization. What are your thoughts on that? There's a few things you can do. I don't want to get too advanced because some of it goes beyond like our level. Um, but you can use tools like Neil Patel and Moz, moz.com. <clears throat> you can use those as a keyword tracker. You can then see what are the popular keywords. But you can't, you're never going to rank for invitations, but you could use a niche keyword, so something that's specific to your company. So maybe charitable invitations in Ealing or support a charity in the local area, in Chiswick or something like that. I know that Sarah has done really, really well using binge eating therapists. So nailing down exactly what you do and using a niche keyword will make a huge difference. Um, and I, I can send you some links afterwards of places that you can go to get advice on that. Oh, and also, um, if you, 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 with Google Business, you get $100 of free advertising credit. You can use that as a way to gauge which keywords are actually performing. So you don't have, you, I think you have to pay 15 pounds but it gives you enough credit to, to, uh, to pull off the reports to see what is what your company's ranking for and what people are searching for without spending too much in advertising. Hopefully that, that helps. Yeah, I, th I mean, you know, originally we led with online invitations and, um, you know, it's just it's hard to get it all out in one key, you know, word, right? So group gifting and so on. And, and then there's the whole sustainable aspect, right? So <laughs> how do you squeeze all that into? And, uh, you know, Julie wrote our press release and she did a brilliant job, but and captured it all in a press release, but it's just getting that concept out. So I think I like your idea of, I do, I did play around with the Google ad and um, I saw that I had a pound credit. So I think we'll test that. And, and maybe I'll, I'll message you a bit. I'm just curious, can you do multiple different ads at the same time? Is yeah, you can run a lot. The campaign can have up to, I think it's like 25 ads running at once. And then you can monitor the different keywords. Um, again, keywords is a huge topic. So we're going to split that out into a separate session. But going niche and being specific is a, may, is a really would help you. So the key, I'm, I tried just digital marketing and then I'm breaking it down to WordPress designer in Brentford in Boston Manor make it location specific and make it sector specific as well. So I, I do a lot with healthcare professionals. Um, so I even was using, uh, say, digital marketing for therapists. And I believe I'm running a session with Sarah on purely digital marketing for therapists as well, if she's still keen on that. Doesn't yeah, matter. <laughs> but yeah, the, the more specific you can be, the better. And yeah, I'll send you those links. Have a look, yeah, just write down moz.com. And then there's the whole other, you know, aspect of, is it worth your bag for your buck right now? Because, you know, I have to probably put the word virtual on everything because the world's upside down, right? So it's virtual <laughs> fundraising, party planning. I wouldn't use the word virtual because I hope, well, fingers crossed in the next six, eight weeks, I don't know, we'll come out of it. And you want to think more long-term. So the keywords you use now will only really benefit you in three, six or 12 months. Next week, we're going to be doing um, like a follow up on all the past seven sessions. So if you have any questions, I know, Steve, you mentioned we should do like a, a Q&A type thing. So next week's the chance to come back with all the questions over the past seven weeks.
Um, and then I think the week after we're doing the digital marketing for therapists. It might be useful if people email the questions to you beforehand so you can prepare run put on the spot. I don't know, I prefer the challenge. I can get Albert involved <laughs> and we can have a bit of a challenge for it. What's that? Uh, we're going to be quizzed on uh, digital marketing. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, we were just saying that um, over the past seven weeks, well, seven different topics, um, if people have got any questions around, what is it, Google business, Zoom, productivity, uh, email marketing, content, they can just come back and we can kind of just throw some ideas around. Are you going to brainstorm yeah. then, yeah? Yeah, and it just, I mean, some a lot of people might have uh, come up with something I haven't thought of and we're looking to... Um, just broadening our knowledge, basically. Uh, the, you talked about digital marketing for therapists, so I was curious to understand what you would cover in that uh, session, because so, I'm thinking um, if it's uh, relatable to me or not. Okay, so me and Sarah are going to put this, the content together, say, probably uh, next week. Um, Sarah, I don't know if you want to chip in on your, your initial ideas. Is there anything you would like to see covered, Melda? Um, I'm just, yeah, <laughs> it can be a lot of things. So um, <laughs> since I work as a coach, I do one-on-one -on -one work as well. So I was wondering if it would be relevant to me in terms of principles, but at the same time, I do corporate work as well. So I wouldn't be able to dedicate all my kind of marketing around working with an individual. That's why, you know, sometimes it becomes an obstacle to do uh, such uh, marketing. So I was just uh, wondering what would be covered and what would be relevant to me. So oh, I don't well, know what I would ask for, to be honest. Yeah, and that's okay. My initial thoughts is that it would be very relevant to anybody in the wellness kind of health industry that's looking to drum up private work. In terms of, as Theo said, we need to sit down and talk through the content, but those are the people that we're going to be um, looking to impart useful information to. I believe Great. Sarah's going to lead on kind of content and social, and I'm going to lead more on website and SEO. Because obviously, so you, you know your Instagram, you know how, a lot more about uh, creating the videos and the, the live videos, stuff like that. Yeah. I think now live video is crucial. Every day, I mean, it's a little bit swamped, but every day I'm seeing a lot of mentors and trainers and therapists doing um, from home videos. Mm. Yeah, it might be good to have the details and if possible, maybe join just to, I don't know, be part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, could you email me or just remind me and I'll add you in next week once we've got a structure together. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Yeah.